Welcome to Mystery with a History. This is a podcast that looks at the who, what, when, where, and tries to find the why in a mystery. I'm Anomaly. And I'm Katie. Welcome. This is episode four, I believe. It is. I can't believe it. We are rolling right along. We are. Tackling those mysteries one by one. Exactly. Right. Well, guys, you know we're a new podcast, so it would be great if you could like and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I think the only place we are not on currently is Google. Okay. So we'll need, we'll get there, but you can also follow along on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at mystery with a history pod. Well, Katie, I've only heard really a couple things about what you're talking about today. Okay. You told me to just be completely unrehearsed. Yes. I mean, I told you, you did not need to know about it because no one does. So. (laughs) Excellent. Well, um, what I do know is that you're going to talk to us about the Honey War. Yes. The Honey War of 1839. Oh, 1839. All right. Very good. Well, why don't you take it away? All right. Anomaly. What would you say if I told you that a civil war of sorts almost broke out in America before the famous civil war that we all learned about in school? I don't know what I'd think about that. I've never heard about anything like that. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it today. Hooray. Before we get started, I want to give credit to Craig Hill for most of this information. I found a fantastic article in the July 1982 edition of the journal Pioneer America, Mm -hmm. one of those fancy scholarly journals. So thank you, Mr. Hill, for this crazy little piece of history. Let's go back to 1839. Martin Van Buren was the sitting president, and America consisted of only 26 states. Missouri joined the Union as the 24th state in 1821. North of the new state of Missouri was a large chunk of land purchased from the French during the Louisiana Purchase. Part of this land would later become the territory of Iowa. Our story centers around a land dispute between Missouri and the territory of Iowa. It involves some wonky surveying techniques, the arrest of a sheriff, the destruction of a few bee trees, and a disputed number of militiamen. No one was killed in the story, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a wild and chaotic ride. Wow, sounds like a great recipe for a mystery. Right? All right, Anomaly, let's start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. This whole mess began in 1816 when Missouri decided they wanted to become a state. Now, to become a state, you first need some basic stuff, like defined borders, so we can have things like nice-looking maps. Surveyors would be appointed and sent out to find and define these borders and mark them. And if they do their job correctly, the maps should match the state lines that are actually marked on the ground. I've always wondered how they do, like, how do they make the map match what it looks like. It's a lot of complicated surveying (laughs) techniques that I know nothing about. Okay, good. And apparently these people didn't know much about it either. Oh, no. Yes. The first bit's a little complicated, especially if you don't know your Missouri geography very well, which I don't either. I do not. But bear with me, and we're going to get through this together. John Sullivan was sent out to find the line between the wannabe state of Missouri and the Osage boundary, or what would later become Iowa. Sullivan was to mark this line for the northern border of Missouri. On the northwest point, he was to start 100 miles north of where the Missouri and Kansas rivers meet, 
and then draw a line straight east on the parallel to a point where the Des Moines River and the Mississippi River meets. It sounds complicated, and it was, because Sullivan had a few problems. Mm -mm. One, Sullivan didn't take into account that his compass followed magnetic north and not true north, so his line became skewed off the parallel by several miles as he made his boundary marking journey. This meant that what he marked on the ground as the boundary didn't match official maps that followed the parallel. His second problem was that he used simple markers like wooden posts and mounds of dirt to mark his survey line. Midwestern weather on the prairie can be tough, and these boundaries were swept away over the years. I mean, why, why don't you just use peanut shells? I mean, come on. You may as well use breadcrumbs <laughs> and hope the birds don't eat them. He also used some rapids in the Des Moines River to define the northeast border, but what people define as rapids or just ripples in water became another problem later on. Yeah, that's very subjective. It's very subjective. Since Sullivan's line was a bit uncertain, years later there was a second try at finding Missouri's northern border in 1837. Iowa had become a territory and would soon be asking to become a state, so this border issue was going to become a real problem. Missouri appointed surveyor Joseph Brown to try again. Brown decided to find these Sullivan Rapids at the northeast border to start his survey. He found what he considered rapids near the town of Kiyosakwa, nine miles north of where Sullivan actually started. And as he went on his journey west, he ended up at the Missouri River, 13 miles north of the original Sullivan line. Oops. So to sum it up, simply there were two Missouri borders. The Sullivan Line, which is around 10 miles south of the Brown Line. No one really cared about it until Iowa became a territory. Then the dispute involved the state of Missouri and the territory of Iowa. The United States federal government was like, guys, you need to figure this nonsense out. Yeah. Missouri wanted the Brown Line because it gave them an extra 10-ish miles of northern territory. Well, sure. Yeah, they wanted that land. Yeah. Iowa claimed the land was theirs because of Sullivan. Oh, right. But here's the big mystery of why. Why did Missouri and Iowa even care? It's thousands of square miles of prairie land where plenty was to be had. That's true. Well, they wanted it because there were farms and homesteads already set up on the disputed strip of land. These farms were rich in bees and honey. We've all read or watched Little House on the Prairie, and we know that life wasn't easy as a pioneer. Mm -mm. Things like sugar and sweet treats were hard to come by, so a delight like honey was in high demand. And you could make a nice bit of money off of uh -huh. it. The beeswax that was available in this area was also important to Midwestern settlers for things like candle making. Sweet tooths aside, the big hairy reason for the importance of this line was that the northern Missouri border was part of the Missouri Compromise, and therefore the marker between slave states and free states. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah. Any state north of this line would be a free state, and any state south of this line would be a slave state. Well, the farmers that were stuck in the middle seemed to be the general consensus that they didn't want to be part of a state that allowed slavery, and so they really wanted to be part of the Iowa Territory. Okay, so we have the state of Missouri saying that these farms are theirs, and the Iowa Territory saying, no, sir, it belongs to us. In the fall of 1839, Missouri Sheriff Uriah Gregory, known to his friends as Sandy, went to the disputed territory to collect taxes for the state of Missouri. As you can imagine, mm -hmm. uh -huh, tax collecting, <laughs> as you can imagine, he was as popular as the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, <laughs> and he was quickly and most forcefully asked to leave and not come back. 
When a few folks from Missouri heard about how their Sheriff Sandy was treated, they snuck over and cut down a few honey-filled trees. Oh, no. Sold the valuable stuff and didn't pay any taxes on it. Yikes. These men were later fined $1.50 by the Territory of Iowa for their crimes against honey, which I think is around $50 in today's dollars according to inflation. This started the whole sticky situation that would become known as the Honey War. You did it. Get it? Sticky? (laughs) Sheriff Sandy decided again to head into the disputed land and try to assert Missouri authority and collect taxes. And he was arrested by the sheriff in Iowa and thrown in jail. People back in Missouri believed that their beloved Sheriff Sandy was kidnapped. And the Missouri governor called together a militia to get him back. Oh, gosh. Yes. Iowa responded by forming a militia of their own. Now, by all accounts, the Iowa militia was outnumbered by the Missouri militia, but they did have a rather interesting arsenal. It consisted of, quote, blunderbusses, flintlocks, a plow coulter connected to a log chain, a six-foot sword cut from a piece of metal, pitchforks, many swords from the War of 1812, and even a dasher from a churn. Um, okay, so wait. So what's a blunderbuss? I've heard of that. I think it's one of those, isn't it one of those funny guns with like the, the ends that flare out? Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's like a, it's, a blunderbuss is like a rifle where the end of it flares out a little okay. bit. Okay. Like it's, a cartoon gun. Like a cartoon, like something, <laughs> what's that? Elmer, it's like something Elmer Fudd. Oh, yeah, Fudman right. <laughs> And apparently, if you don't know what a dasher from a churn is, it's that wooden stick that goes in the old-timey butter churns. Oh, okay. That was in their arsenal as well. The perfect weapon. Mr. Hill goes on to say that by most accounts, most of the men that joined up didn't care a thing about the land dispute, but it was winter, farming was done for the year, and they didn't have much else to do. Besides, they had hopes that the government would pay them for their services. Mm. Spoiler alert, they didn't. (laughs) The governor of Iowa sounds like an interesting guy, though. Supposedly, he camped with the men and kept them happy with supplies of whiskey. So, while they were outnumbered and underpaid, it sounds like they had an okay camping trip. <laughs> the Missouri guys, though, there were many, didn't have such a great time. Uh-oh. They didn't have proper supplies. Their governor wasn't just hanging with them. And they were cold, miserable, and downright ornery. To avoid violence, the legislative assemblies from both areas came up with a compromise on December 12, 1839. But who knows who came out on top of this compromise because both states claimed the victory. Side note, apparently the Missouri guys were mad about the compromise and they were ready to fight something, so they killed a deer. They split it in two. They named one half after the governor of Missouri and the other half after the governor of Iowa. And then they shot both halves of meat full of bullets, which sounds like a wasted meal if you're cold and hungry. Absolutely. But what do we know? Wow. Farmers in winter. Who knows what they get up to? I mean, shenanigans galore. <laughs> shenanigans. Some tomfoolery. I wonder which governor ended up being the bottom half of that deer. <laughs> the battle may have been narrowly avoided, but the conflict didn't disappear. Who did the land belong to? The governors asked Congress to decide. and Congress moved slower than molasses in January. Years later, in 1844, Congress finally decided that the land belonged to Iowa. Of course, the governor of Missouri didn't care for that one little bit, so it was taken to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court eventually decided that the original Sullivan line was the legal state line. The land belonged to Iowa, 
and a delegation of surveyors from both states was appointed to find the original Sullivan line. And this time they were to mark it with iron markers that wouldn't just blow away. This was completed in 1851, 35 years after the dispute began. Wow. And that, my dear, is the story of the Honey War. Fascinating. The war that almost was, but wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, that was really interesting. Right? Yeah. I mean, you've got one sheriff throwing another sheriff in jail. Which, by the way, they said he was treated very nicely. Apparently he stayed in the other sheriff's house (laughs) until they could actually put him in proper jail cell. Sheriff Sandy. Justice for Sheriff Sandy. Justice for Sheriff Sandy, indeed. Um, Yeah, it seems like a lot of that could have just been done away with if he had put a little bit more permanent markers in in the first place. Yeah, if Sullivan would have just, you know, maybe followed the compass in the proper way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and actually used things that would last, maybe none of this would have happened. Yeah. Oh, well. But, but it worked out for the best. The farmers of Iowa got to be the free state that they wanted to be. Yay. And I'm sure they enjoyed future farming of honey and whatever they did in yeah. southern Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of cold, cold winters. All right, Katie. Well, that was a wonderful story. And dear listeners, that is it for today. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Again, if you liked what you heard, then please consider subscribing. You can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we will post some images that go along with today's show. If you'd like to find out more information about our stories, be sure to check the sources in the show notes. All right, for today's episode, I use the following sources. An article in the journal Pioneer America entitled The Honey War by Craig Hill. An article on ForgottenHistory.me, The Honey War. An article on Atlas Obscura entitled One Sloppy Land Surveyor Almost Caused a War Between Missouri and Iowa and an article on thegazette.com entitled Time Machine, The Honey War, When Iowa and Missouri Almost Came to Blows Over the Wow. And that's what I have for you guys today. Very cool. Okay. Well, that'll do it for us. And until next time, dear listeners, stay stay curious. curious. Bye. Bye.